cliffcentral.com. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Rosie Mutena, and of course, this is African Pan African Connect, where I talk about my three passions in life, and that is woman, Africa, and the arts. Today, we're going to be focusing on African global excellence. And in studio with me, I have Dr. Frank Azwani, who's from the African Leadership Academy, who's the VP and the African Leadership Academy Director of Strategic Relations. How are you, sir? Well done. Yeah, very well, thanks. <laughs> it's quite a mouthful we got there. It is, right? <laughs> yeah. It is. No, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your, on your podcast. Oh, no, it's only a pleasure. Yes. It's only a pleasure. I, anything to do with Africa, I'm just, I absolutely love. Absolutely. So now you you're originally Kenyan. Yes, I, well, I'm still Kenyan. Yes. <laughs> you never know. I mean, you 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 could have you could have migrated to South Africa. Uh, you, it doesn't matter how many other nationalities they pick up. I will still be Kenyan. You're going to be Kenyan through exactly. and through. <laughs> and you you graduated um, as a veterinary doctor from University of Nairobi. Yeah, so I started six years for that degree, yeah. which I don't use much anymore. I was say, you work with people now, the two-legged. <laughs> yeah, and and, my, and people who talk back at you and yeah. like animals. Yes, no, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I studied that for six years. It's unbelievable that. Uh, but what 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 was your decision? What did, was it? Growing up, did you always love animals, or was it was it a parental pressure? Like, okay, become a doctor, and you're like, sure, I'll become an, I'll become an animal doctor. <laughs> so actually, it's it's interesting, you know. Um, I think. I, uh, two things. Mm. One, um, uh, I, I was a very science student, okay. uh, when I was in high school. And then secondly, uh, like typical of many African families, you, you tend to have probably one, not many people who, in your family who've gone to university. Right. Okay. Mm. So I had a cousin of mine who was also studying veterinary medicine and he was a big influence in my family. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was a, a factor in that. And, uh, but also, uh, you know, my farm, my parents owned a farm. Mm. So there's a bit of small farming that they did. Uh, so multiplicity of factors, uh, right. but in essence, you know, uh, also at that point in time, I didn't know any better. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> and you just did it and you followed through. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, when, when did, when did you leave Kenya? What was, what was your next destination after, after Nairobi? So this, um, so I, after I finished uh, my veterinary school, I uh, actually halfway through my veterinary degree, I decided, you know, something. It's not something I really want to do because mm. I found out the cl- uh, once I experienced clinical medicine, mm. it's uh, it was not in, li- in line with me as an individual. I I'm a very balanced person. I kind of want to be able to uh, do what I need to do, mm. but also do what I enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not work. Very, very important. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that balance is important. So I was playing rugby. I was into sport. I was collecting music. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And staying in clinical medicine meant that I studied most not of my stuff. time. <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's no social interaction. No, so, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I decided I'm going to stay, use my degree to help me get a, make a career. So mm-hmm. I joined a pharmaceutical company called Eli Lilly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stayed in Kenya for, after I graduated for maybe two years mm-hmm. and I got a, I, well, after I joined Lily I got a chance to go and work in England oh wow yeah so I was in the UK for three years mm-hmm. uh, and then I moved to Switzerland for a year okay and then I moved back to Kenya yeah and then I moved to South Africa in 2004 yeah and what was, I mean, moving most of your life, you obviously spent in Kenya. What was, how did you handle the transition going from, from, from Africa to, to a European continent? So, you know, actually everything happens for a reason, Rosie. Mm. It's, it's just fascinating how, um, I'm sure many people will relate to this. Yeah. When I left Kenya, I was like, I'm not going to come back. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and, and 
I'd also had a big um, thing happen in my personal life. I'd lost my father. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm the firstborn in a family of five boys. Okay. So typically you are expected to take care of the rest of the family. Mm. And actually, it was very fortuitous that I got a chance to go to work in England because yeah. then I was earning pounds on Kenyan shillings. Oh, wow. Because uh, all my brothers were between high school and primary school. Yeah. And I was paying school that's fees. That, and how old were you then? I was 24. That's that's quite a big responsibility. Eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, the weekends when my friends were packing their bags going to the coast, I couldn't afford to. Yeah. Uh, I just something I couldn't afford to. So, so going to England, I kind of thought, let me go. It will be not just be good for my career, but also will just allow me time to carry out my family responsibility yeah. with a little more ease. Yeah. But actually, it was the best turning point for me, and that was the thing that really grew my Pan African passion. Mm. Because, you know, many a time as Africans, we look at things that are African and we we perceive them to be inferior to yeah. what the West has. Yeah. We don't appreciate enough about who we are and what we have. Mm. So, or, or where we come from. Where we come from. Yeah. So, so let me give you a case in point. So I get to England. So first of all, I get to England. It was January 16th. I've never forgotten. <laughs> and it was cold. Mm. Okay. So. And England can be cold. It can be very cold. <laughs> okay. So first thing, there's no one to meet me at, at Gatwick. Mm. And you didn't even fly into Heathrow. It was Gatwick. It was Gatwick. Oh! Okay. <laughs> so you can imagine. And typically, when we got guests from uh, Europe coming to Africa, we always had someone waiting for them. Yeah. Okay. No one waiting for me. Do you know my, where I was going to was a town called Basingstoke mm-hmm. and it was about maybe an hour's ride. I took a cab for an hour because I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to use a train, those kind of oh, things. Wow. So first of all, I thought, Oh, okay. First things first. Where's the hospitality that we offer? Mm. Why isn't it given in return? So that's the first thing. So anyway, I get to my hotel. Uh, I stay the next day, next day is a Sunday and then Monday I go to work. Yeah. And at lunchtime, my colleague said, me, oh, let's walk and go get a sandwich. Mm. And I go down and when I come back, cause of the cold, my skin had cracked. Okay. So <laughs> this is my first introduction to <laughs> European winter. But, but fast forward, I get a house. I move in. And I moved, I moved on a Wednesday mm. and that Saturday I went and knocked at all my neighbors' houses and mm. said, hello, hey, I'm Frank. I'm living across a uh, number seven across the road. Uh, and you were doing a cul-de-sac. Yeah. I'm living out there. Rosie, I moved out three years later. It's as much as spoken to my neighbors. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> they probably still remember, oh, that crazy African man that knocked on our door. <laughs> exactly. But the funny thing was that their kids were mm. always in my house. Yeah. Every time I uh, I was washing my car, I had 20 kids washing my car with me. Yeah. Every time I was having a a, a braai, mm. I'd have kids telling me, telling me, make for us that African food, pap. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> so so it's it started. I started realizing actually, you know this. I mean, I'd be in a supermarket, Rosie. Mm. We were two black people in my yeah. town. Yeah. I'd meet my neighbors on the aisle, and they just walk past me like they wow. didn't recognize me, and so actually. My African identity really came to question at that point in time. And started realizing there's things we take for granted about mm. our values in Africa. I used to see just how, um, um, you know, my colleagues at work would be stressing about their teenage kids who are going, uh, um, or running a mock with, mm. with also. I had a friend of mine who had twin girls. Yeah. And one of them was seeing a shrink. They were 15. One of them was seeing a shrink because the other one had a boyfriend and she didn't. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so the penny really dropped for me in terms mm. of, my identity as an African, and I realize actually, and these are the values that we taught. Exactly, that we think they're mundane, but actually, they they're proper. They, they they ground they ground us for life. Exactly. So I quickly started realizing actually, I love being an African. Mm. I love my food. I love the fact that I can go to my neighbors, just knock and say, "Dude, I'm bored at home. I'm here." Yeah, yeah. I know all their names. 
But also, it's also they're comforting. They God forbid something should happen. You know, somebody without even you having to pick up the phone and say, "Listen, please, can you just go check on the house or whatever?" Somebody will be exactly, there. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so that's where my passion for the for my identity as an African really grew. Mm. Um, because you take what you have for granted many a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I very quickly made up my mind that I was gonna come, and any future jobs I was gonna take would have to be Afrocentric. Wow. Okay, and so any everything I did after my European stint mm. was really to ask myself, okay, so how's it going to add value? How's going to add value to the content? Mm. How how will I, with my experience, benefit what the content yeah. really needs and address the issues that yeah. it has? Well, that that then leads into to what African Global Excellence is about. You know, it's not just about us being on the continent and being proud and knowing where we come from. It's about Putting that shining beacon to the rest of the world and, 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 and gathering what we can from the rest of the world, but also uplifting our continent. How, where, do, where do you think we, we we're sitting in terms of, of, of actually achieving from, from an East African perspective and then let's look from a South African perspective of where we're achieving that level of African global excellence? So I think for many years we've, we've not appreciated enough the, our level of excellence that we bring to the world in yeah. many fields. Um, look at sports, for example. Look mm. at athletics. We are now at the point where many long distance runners in the world who want to compete have to come and train in Africa because yeah. we've proven that we, we can, yeah. we can produce really top athletes in South yeah, Africa, for yeah. example. Um, Despite of our conditions and, and everything else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, look at the music space today and look at what Nigerian artists or the likes of Diamond Platinums are doing. Mm. Uh, they are producing quality uh, music and are producing music with artists who are globally known. Yeah. Things that, you know, when I was growing up, uh, the Commodores would never have played with Fela Kuti, for example. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> At all. <laughs> exactly. But now, you know, you're, you're seeing what Debange and what Davido yeah, are doing yeah. and those kind of things. So I, I think we're really showcasing to the world that, you know, we, we can compete, we can produce mm-hmm. and we can, we can sit, we deserve a seat on the high table yeah, in more yeah. ways than one. And also, I think what, what, what is very, very exciting is that we can do it on our own terms now. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I mean, you mentioned the West African and, and I mean, my introduction to, to Nigerian hip hop was through um, Debange, it was through Ikichuku, it was through NATO C. And what I loved is 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 in terms of what they were doing, they were they were not they were not apologetic for what they were putting out. Yes. And incredibly proud of what they're doing. So so their governments pumping money in and so forth. Yeah. Singing pigeon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't lose your identity in the yeah, process. Yeah. Singing pigeon, let the American sing in his in his New York accent, yeah. but you produce beautiful music yeah, in the process. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to be very conscious about as Africans that mm. um in as much as we spread ourselves and and grow and experience different spaces. Don't lose who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, 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 there's a, we, we've just come off an, an all staff conference, a, yeah. a kickoff session for the, the academy, and we were all told to come up with proverbs. And the group I was working says uh, came up with a proverb uh, that says that it doesn't matter how long a tree grows, it doesn't forget its roots. Yeah, yes. very, very, very true. Yeah. Um, so African Leadership Academy. So when, what, what year did you come to, to SA? So I came to SA in 2004. Okay. Uh, and I joined the academy in 2012. Yeah. Well, the, that after you, 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 uh. did, you got your MBA. Yes. So I did an MBA at Gibbs. Mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to do an MBA, mm-hmm. but I thought, you know, an MBA is as good as a school you do it in. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I, while I worked in Europe, whatever, I figured out, let me find the right school. Mm-hmm. And so I was patient. And when I moved to South Africa, Gibbs was a perfect place for me to go yeah. to my MBA. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great institution. Yeah. So, so your, your first entry into ALA, how did you, how did, how did you come about? How did you find that synergy? So very interesting. I was, uh, out with my kids, mm. uh, in Cedar Square, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sunday afternoon, strolling with my kids. 
and um, a friend of mine was a board member at ALA. Okay. And he tells me like, um, oh, baby, actually, Ele is looking for someone with the experience. Because mm-hmm. at that point in time, after I came back from Europe, I um, I stayed with Ela Lili and I ran Sub-Saharan Africa. So I ran right. 25 countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, English and Portuguese speaking. So everything from Nigeria, Ghana mm-hmm. to, to Southern Africa. Wow. And so I had gathered really good six or so years of really good Pan-African experience. Mm. And it was in line with what I wanted my personal mission to be. So he tells me, actually, they're looking. And at that point in time, I'd, I'd, uh, I was thinking, okay, I need to do look for something else. Yeah. Um, so I'd left Lily to join another organization. And then my, so this board member tells me, actually, they're looking for someone of your experience. Um, so we kind of, I, I wasn't really keen. I wasn't really sure. Uh, a school, because that was what the perception I had of the school, of yeah. it as a school then. It's an institution. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'd never been in education before. Mm. But I thought, interesting, you know. I'd always committed to say, to saying that uh, that everything I do going forward will be Pan-African. So right. I thought, you know, so I sent in my resume. He sent the founder. The founders told me, come. It took a bit of a while because I was thinking like, ah, whatever, man. Mm. And, uh, and then I went. It's the worst mistake I made. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> because I walked in there and I met the kids. Mm. And you know how you walk into a house when you're looking for a house? Mm. And you see, you can see yourself living in the house. Yeah. I saw myself working with the kids. Mm. I said, this is the thing I want to do to transform Africa. Yeah. Because those kids so warmed my heart. They so inspired me about their dreams and vision. Mm. And I said, you know, we as adults need to be asking ourselves, what can we give to the future generation that we wish we had? Precisely. Yeah. And that's what I saw myself doing. Mm. And, and, uh, my mind was made up. Straight up, you know, I said, okay, if this, if I can get in here, this mm. is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. So I went back to William Masiko, who was a board member. Then I said, dude, I, <laughs> That's I, my space. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I told William, I think this is actually is a really cool thing. Yeah. And you know, Rosie, I have, I have, um, I have worked at Ely for five years now, mm. African Leadership Academy, and in my previous role, I, uh, you know, while I worked for Lily, which is a phenomenal company, I had. Mm great experiences i changed people's lives with the medicine we produced mm. i uh, touched people i met ministers i was invited to lavish parties or lavish functions yeah. but the last five years of the academy by far my, the best years of my life wow no question about it yeah yeah what 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 makes i mean we're going to get into the dynamics of what ala is about but um that feeling of of walking into on, onto the premises and you don't think it's a school and there's, i don't know if there's this if our ancestors are conjuring up <laughs> these 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 energies, because on the three different occasions I've I've walked onto the onto the campus, and it doesn't feel like a campus; it's like going to a retreat. Yeah, there's something magical about it. Yeah, um, and is is this have we be, over the last centuries been missing this that we're supposed to be bringing these different nations together? I mean, what 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 is it about the the, the energy that that, that that's in that 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 lives on the on the campus? So first of all, I think I think one of the big things that the campus offers and what Ailey as an institution, it's no longer, it's not a school, actually, it's an institution, yeah. Yeah. is is really about the future of a positive mm. uh, pathway and trajectory for the continent. Yeah. When you walk on the campus, you just feel the vibe of where Africa is going. Yeah. You just feel, yeah. you feel these kids who, who 
are believing that, you know, if they're good enough, they're old enough. Yeah. You feel these kids who are starting to see the continent as their home, not the countries where that they come from. Yeah, yeah. You feel this vibe of kids who um, are going be- beyond the biases that their parents carry of religion and boundaries and borders mm. and mm. stuff like that. You feel these kids who embrace the diversity of their accents and their religions. Yeah, but also what, what what's also beautiful is that they, they're embracing the diversity of who they want to become. Exactly. So... You know, as I mean, you spoke about you needed to be a doctor, and, and we come from the area. It was like either be, either be a doctor, social worker, teacher. You know, otherwise, <laughs> absolutely you know? yes. And 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 what's what's so beautiful is that entrepreneurship is is the way of the future. And yeah. is, is, I mean, the, the rest of the world are seeing it and so forth. Yeah. But in terms of the African context, it was never really accepted. Although when you live in and especially, and I'll talk from Uganda because I've lived there. But but from the experience that people will have two or three different companies or jobs just to get by. But I mean, that is an entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. What is what is powerful about ALA, ALA for me is that it's teaching that, but in but in a level of excellence. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So so I think it's it's from a a couple of uh, points of view. One. So let's let's get the African context in yeah. place. Okay, we're the youngest continent by far. Seventy uh, percent of us are under thirty years of age. Yeah. Our average age is nineteen. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare to the US, which is I think is at about forty-one, Europe is about forty-three, Japan mm-hmm. is at fifty-one, for wow. example. That Western world has a very different problem. Yeah. Their problem is where are we going to get workers mm. to take up the jobs that we have? Yeah. In Africa, is that where are we going to get jobs for our, our people? people? Yeah. Okay. So youth unemployment is arguably Africa's biggest risk. Mm. We have a generation of young people who are growing up who are more educated than their parents, but have few economic opportunities. Yeah. But if we harness that youth bulge, mm we have a really great opportunity to drive this continent forward. Yeah. So how is our education fit for purpose with that context in mind? How is our education fit for purpose? Recognizing that things like um, what we perceived before as problems in Africa are actually opportunities. Yeah. Okay. When there's no electricity, it's an opportunity for someone to start a solar, biz- solar lamp business. Mm. So, And we always, like we tell our kids, every time someone complains, there's an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the academy is really trying to, to, has recognized that we need kids who are going to be going into the workspace, mm. uh, thinking about being job creators, not necessarily job seekers, seekers like yeah. their parents. Yeah. And for that to happen, you need to start exposing kids to entrepreneurship very early. And so, uh, what's really unique about the academy is our entrepreneurial leadership curriculum, yeah. um, where kids are exposed to entrepreneurial thinking and entrepreneurship and leadership at a very young age, when they come in at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and we give them opportunities not just to do the theoretical part of it, but every kid has to run a business on campus. Wow. Okay, yeah. so you start learning so about it's also that practical side of ex- actually exactly. seeing and, and 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 experiencing the challenges, not only the joys of it. Exactly, yeah. and um, also recognizing that. Uh, you can, when you start thinking of building businesses, don't just think about building business in your country. So the teams in which they work in, they work with kids from other countries. Mm. So you get exposure to working with a Nigerian, with an Ethiopian, or, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And in the process, you, we believe that kids learn best by doing. Mm. Um, in the process, you actually realize, you know, starting a business is not as frightening as I thought it would be. Because, yeah. Rose, you'll admit that many of us would have loved such businesses, but the but fear... The fear that you... But also the fear <laughs> that everyone puts into exactly. you. It's like, no! Exactly. You know? And the yeah. comfort that a salary gives you mm. that prevents but, you but, from but taking that leap. But it also goes back to, to... And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, um, bashing what our, what our parents told us, but it also goes... What I love about it is that it gives you the opportunities that if you have a dream, 
and if you if you apply the right principles to it, yeah. you can achieve that dream. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. It's yeah. not it's not just it's just not just a made up thing. It's it's actually very very tangible. Absolutely. The, the kids, where, where are they from across Africa? Is it just only um, outside of South Africa? So so so. In our name, the African mm. Leadership Academy. Our mission is to transform Africa by creating the next generation of ethical African leaders and mm. top talent. And so, to date, uh, with the incoming class that comes in actually this Saturday, the second, mm. uh, this weekend, we'll have about a thousand kids from 50 African countries. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and that is really exciting. Yeah. So we still have that stretch to want to get to cover the whole co- the continent, mm. but we've come such a lot in 10 years. We've covered 97% of the continent, percent of the powerful. continent. And then how do you get around? Because obviously you've got the, the English speaking countries, you've got the Francophone and also the Portuguese. What, what, what is the, the right terminology for Portuguese? Lucifon. Lucifon. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, le- I learned that while I was on campus. <laughs> Just so my listeners know. <laughs> How do, you, how do you get around that, that the aspect of the, of the different languages? Because the curriculum is taught in, taught in English. It is taught in English. Mm. So, so we we um, so just for context, thirty percent of our kids are are, Afri- are francophone. Okay. About fifteen percent are lusophone, and oh, then the rest are anglophone. Okay. Um, so yeah, we recognize that some kids come on campus not speaking a word of English. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've 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 t- tried a couple of different things. So what we've done now, like this year, mm. we brought the non-English kid speaking kids in earlier. Okay. So they're on campus as we speak and mm. they've been for the last couple of weeks okay. going through an accelerated English for Excellence program. Wow, wow. Okay. okay. So um so we recognize that that, that is uh, what's happening. But actually you'll be amazed at how um um you know because of the homo- homogeneity of uh, young Africans. Yeah. Uh, they listen to the same music. Yeah. So they listen to English music. So mm-hmm. you can imagine if you can sing a song in Kiswahili or in English, even mm-hmm. if you don't understand it, when you start learning the language, it's a lot easier. Yeah. So you'd be amazed at the, the proficiency in English for a lot of these kids. It's oh, wow. fairly decent. So, but we still bring them in earlier to yeah. get them up to speed. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. And then let's, let's talk about the, the program. So you got your two year diploma program. Yes. What is the, what does that entail? And, and who qualifies for this? Okay. So that is our core flagship program and um, um, that program we get kids aged 16 to 19 okay. from across Africa yeah. um, you, you don't we don't worry about grades at this point in time we just want we're looking for kids who academically are smart enough mm. they don't have to be A students yeah. but they have to be smart enough yeah. uh, but what we are really uncompromising about is we look for kids with strong leadership potential okay. so yeah, they should have demonstrated things like courage perseverance strong values mm. and entrepreneurial spirit mm. and a commitment to their communities or to the continent so and their communities could be their church these are kids who are committed to making sure that they say the church is strong or the religious group is strong or their neighborhood is good or mm. uh, a club they're leading in school is 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 flourishing um, so that commitment to a cause or to a group of people and the willingness to give back and lead yeah. is a critical part of what we look That's for. That's incredibly powerful because I mean looking at the history of South Africa a lot of um, uh, children that are going into the tertiary sector um, don't get in because of the school background. Yeah. So they don't necessarily mean that they're not clever or they're not getting the grades. Yeah. It could just be the circumstances or the school. Totally correct, know? Rosie. I mean, you can imagine if a kid grows up, uh, let's take a township of mm. Alex Osowero and, and, um, and 
he grows up in potentially some schools where they didn't have enough teachers or yeah. they, or there was or there was he's just one of those kids that got lost exactly you know class of 54 yeah. i mean an example i, I used to be work with a, with an ngo where we um placed children from from underprivileged backgrounds into tertiary education in, into tertiary systems and we we discovered that we needed to take some of the kids out and do exactly the same thing as, as you're doing exactly. yeah. it's almost like a gap yes. um a bridging a bridging, bridging, bridging class yes and there was one girl that, that, um, when she arrived at, at the organization, she was barely scraping through. We put her through our program and then she graduated cum laude with a law degree, you know, and that was just, just because she was one of those in the class of 54, 72, whatever it was that was left at the back and nobody paid attention yeah. to her. And finding the spark in her that will light yeah. the fire. Yeah. That, I like that. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. is a critical part of what the whole process is. So, yeah. so, 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 and that's what we, and also we've got to find the gems. Mm. We believe that talent is universal, opportunity is not. Mm. With, if you look at the poverty in Africa and the just the socioeconomic gaps that we have on the continent, it's almost as if, like they say in the US, your zip code determines the quality of education you yeah, get. Yeah. In Africa, your, 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 where you live or the city you live in or the country you live in could determine the same. But we try and overcome those issues that the continent is facing. So we work with about 3,000 partners to help identify those kids. Okay. So we work with people. We have two or three refugee camps in Africa that send us kids. Wow. Okay. And the NGOs in those communities will tell us, actually, there's a kid in this community uh, mm. that we're working with who you guys should invest in. And actually, one of our most admi- admirable uh, alumni is, mm. is from a refugee camp, has come to us, gone to the U.S., mm. Uh, has built a school in his refugee camp where he's he's uh, now uh, that uh, caters for six hundred kids. Wow! And he's back in his refugee camp, continuing the work of making lives better for kids in his community. See, that's what it's about. That's the power behind that. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Love that. Love that. Yes. So, so uh, I mean, I'm glad you're also mentioning the fact that that um, because a lot of people, when 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 ALA started, thought it was the elitist school. Yes. That well, if I if my parents aren't making this amount of money, if I don't get the scholarship, I can't get it. Yeah. You know how how true is that? It's... The experience is elitist. Yeah. And it has to be because we're investing in Africa's biggest challenge yeah. of leadership. So we need to make sure that our experience is producing those kind of people. Mm. The cost is not elitist. Mm. Okay? And we are equal opportunity schools. So when we when the process basically how it works at ALA is we go, you go through the application process mm-hmm. um and then from 4000 or so kids we we select 130. Mm-hmm. Uh under the point of selecting the kids we do not care whether they can afford to pay fees or not. We've mm-hmm. not checked with their with their parents Those credentials. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. The, we want to be unbiased in making sure that we bring in the best kids that Africa has to offer for us to invest in for the future leadership of this yeah. continent. So only after we admit you do we do a background check on your family's capability, on your parents, whatever, mm-hmm. and we decide your fees. Now, let me make this very, very clear. No two kids at ALA pay the same fees mm. unless you're paying the full amount of fees. Wow. Okay. If you're, for argument's sake, Dangote's child or Patrice Mosepe's child, mm. you will pay the full fees, which you'll find on our website. Right. Okay. But that only two to five kids a year pay that fees. Mm. Everyone else pays a sliding scale. Uh, so it's basically you, you're coming in on a, on a clean slate and, and you're just feeding this excellence that's going to be, that, that, that that's going to be handed to you. That's yeah, exactly. So if we find the right talent, mm. 
will not let it go. Yeah. We'll invest in it and we'll find someone to pay for it. And that's why we have a lot of support from corporate Africa, uh, and, uh, you know, American donors help us yeah, a lot yeah. in, in finding money to close the gap. Let's say, who, who, who are your partners? So we, we've got a, um, in Africa, we've got, uh, a couple of really big partners, uh, mm-hmm. who have been with us for a long time. People like Pimbani, mm-hmm. uh, people like, uh, Nedbank, uh, GE, uh, you know, have, have been last for a long time. People like Penal Ricard. Okay. Um, so, so there are a couple of very, um, uh, you know, long-standing partners, Coca-Cola Foundation have been big with us for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, Mastercard Foundation are big supporters of ours. And there are a couple of individuals um, in Africa. But sadly, uh, Rosie, I must admit that we we still fundraise 80% of our money from the U.S. We struggle to fundraise from Africa, which wow. is really, really sad, uh, especially when you consider that we're an African pro- solution to an African yeah, problem. problem. Yeah. Um, why, but, why do you think that is, though? You know, it, it puzzles me in many ways. Um, once again, I think partially is, um, uh, as Africans, we sometimes don't take as much pride in, in building our institutions and supporting our institutions. Mm. And And do you think it's also because, you know, when, when, and talking from the South African context is, is that we always seem to look to the West for a better solution. Exactly. And is it, well, um, you know, I, I went to Harvard or I went to, I went to this institution as opposed to, well, I went to UCT and I'm proud or yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I'm a product of ALA. Is it, it, is it because we still, we still indoctrinated with that? Absolutely correct. So would rather buy, uh, a necklace mm. from some American or a handbag from Gucci than buy yeah. a, one designed by a, a, yeah. a, a girl down the street. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's still, I think, a, a bit of hang up that we have as Africans. Mm. Um, and in order to make it, you need to leave the continent and then come back. Exactly. You know, like if you think of all, <laughs> if you look at the designers, especially the designers from, from, from Kenya. Yeah. I mean, it, it, people who have been visiting Kenya, you love the designs, but the thing is the minute that they, they reached fashion week or they reached New York fashion week or whatever, suddenly it's like, okay, no, 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 they, 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 they're worthy enough to put, to wear them with yeah. my, my Gucci pumps and things like that. You exactly. Know? I mean, if you look at the media coverage that ALA has had over time, mm. we get more coverage from foreign media than we get from yeah. African media, for example, which, which is a bit shocking. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Exactly. <laughs> so, 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 so th- th- there is an attitude thing about we as mm. Africans. I mean, um, you know, that we need to sort out. Uh, and even, um, and when it comes to Africa specifically, would, would love to rally a bit more support from South Africa because if you look at just number of dollar millionaires, no country has more dollar millionaires than South Africa. Sure. Yet if you come to, to campus, we have more places named after Nigerians than you have after, after South Africans. Africans. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's scary. Okay. So, so, so I think, um, um, there's, 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 there's a really good opportunity there mm. for us to mobilize more African, uh, giving. And, uh, we're turning 10 years old, uh, next year. Mm-hmm. And I think our decennial year is a perfect opportunity for us to mobilize more yeah. Africans yeah. to come into our, into our fold. Yeah. And so I want to talk about those celebrations, but let's, let's just stick to, to, so we, we you've got your two year diploma program. Yes. yes. So, um, they can come in the two year, then what happens after, after that? So they come in for the two years, uh, and the two years they do, it's a, so it's a two year pre-university program. Right. And in the two years they do the Cambridge level curriculum mm-hmm. and do two years a very unique curriculum called entrepreneurial leadership. Cause if you think about it, Rosie, mm. we're actually preparing for jobs that don't exist yeah to solve problems that we haven't fully conceptualized mm. to collaborate and work with people that they don't mm. know and who who formulated the entrepreneurial curriculum so it's it's something that our faculty uh, put together and continue to improve and and and, uh, and iterate over over time yeah so so that entrepreneurial leadership curriculum is designed to prepare kids for that uncertain world yeah so it gives and inculcating them skills like critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration skills, emotional intelligence. Mm. Uh, emotional intelligence, incredibly powerful. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do 
emotional intelligence rose until I was 32. Yeah. These kids are doing emotional intelligence at 16. Wow. So they're some of the most self-aware kids you've ever met. Mm. And also you've got, you've got a mixture between different nations and different traditions. So that's even added. I mean, that's one of the problems that we've had in South Africa is that people, we, we, we're not, we're not, we're not tolerating each, each other's traditions and where we're coming from and, and ways and so forth. And that's why education today should not just address the academic needs mm. of a kid, should address the social issues that and challenges Africa is facing. So part of what we need to be asking ourselves, how are we enhancing the Pan-African narrative? And that's what ALA does. So, for example, you never share room with someone from your country okay. at the academy. Yeah. So you can learn about other Africans. And as we look at South Africa specifically, how is our education addressing things like uh, violence against women? Mm. Are we having in schools spaces for kids to be taught about the values of respecting women and mm. especially boys. It pains me like when I saw this viral uh, video about this young boy beating up a girl. Yeah. Stuff like that school, yeah. which you need to be addressing at the school level. So so, so, so the two-year program is really uh, addressed to be fit for purpose for what Africa's needs are. Mm. And that's why we teach kids entrepreneurship. That's why every kid on campus has to run a business on campus. Yeah. Because we know we need to create more job creators, not, not job seekers. Mm. Um, we, we need to create, to build on the power of young people. So the two year program runs along those sides. And then mm-hmm. upon graduation, we send the kids to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, about 80% of them who go to university go to university in the US. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and we're very grateful for American colleges because, um, they have, they enable our kids to go. Remember, majority of our kids are from very poor backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. So 70% of our kids come from very, very poor backgrounds. Yeah. So they'd not be able to go to a college in Randburg, for example, yeah. left to their own devices. Mm. So, so basically what happens is American kids uh, colleges tend to generally give us um, uh, um, financial aid, scholarships. Right. Yeah. So to date, we, in the last 10 years, our kids have attracted about almost $100 million worth of college scholarship. So when you start thinking about the success we're starting mm. to create, one, we're getting kids who are very talented and from very remote backgrounds, yeah. but but who, who, if we invested in, would be good for Africa. Mm. Two, we're bringing together kids from a Pan-African, from a Pan-African platform. Three, we are um, finding these kids opportunities to grow. Mm. Um, we have 320 kids studying in the U.S. Okay, wow. Every summer, we bring the kids, or South African winter, we bring the kids back to Africa for internships. Mm-hmm. So we place about 300 interns across the continent every year, uh, giving these kids work experience. Um, and eventually they graduate and about 80% of them come back to Africa within two months of graduation. Yeah. So, so we, we are about a lifelong program mm. that will be transformative to the continent. And so, so even comes back to the question about fees. Uh, we need to look at the lifelong in, engagement and value we, we give these yeah. kids uh, as young people. So, you get, you get a kid from Soweto who's from a single household, mother's household, who would otherwise probably not have finished school because the parents could not afford fees. We bring them to LA, get them a scholarship, go to the US, give them a phenomenal four-year internship experience, mm. find them a job when they graduate, and plug them into a network, a Pan-African network for life. Well, that, that was going to be my next my next um, um, point, is that yeah. with the network that you already have created yeah. is... I mean, it's astronomical because of also your, your your partners and your funders and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 just within the alumni alone, we have about. Uh, so, with the whole, as I said, mentioned earlier, the whole network, including the incoming students, about a thousand, mm-hmm. um, and that's growing every year. Yeah. But we believe a young person's journey of growth is not just two years. Yeah. And we probably not many schools you'd you'd guess or you know would tell you. The kids who graduated four years ago, what are they doing today? Mm. We know where each of a thousand kids are. Oh, so there's a and track record. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if you wanted to go start an, uh, a non-profit or wanted to, uh, do something, 
you come back to the network and mm. ask guys, I need help with this yeah. and we'll support your dreams. So our vision is create this network of 6,000 young leaders on mm. Africa who together will work to, for Africa's transformation. Yeah. Let's talk about the Build in a Box program. Yes. I love that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we always talk to you know, keep, keep your thoughts in the box. And this is like just taking it to another level. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so, so um, in our entrepreneurial leadership curriculum, we have six pillars. There's one called self, we teach kids about themselves, others. The third pillar is called Africa. Mm-hmm. So we have an African studies module. The fourth pillar is called build. Mm-hmm. And build is a process by which we, we, we try and create entrepreneurial thinkers. So we believe we can create entrepreneurial thinkers of any child. Okay. Okay. Now, let me be very clear about that. Not just about entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurial thinkers. Mm. Because Africa needs entrepreneurial thinkers in the private space, in the non-profit space, and in government. Mm. Our problems need innovative solutions. And for that, we need people who think differently about yeah. the problem. So our build process, uh, build module, is is a core part of what we do around our entrepreneurial leadership curriculum. So as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, Africa's biggest risk is youth unemployment. Mm-hmm. So we figured out how do our kids try and, or how do we as a community in the meantime try and address that issue? Right. How do we stimulate entrepreneurship in the continent? So uh, we've packaged our build uh, model uh, into a camp. So mm-hmm. it's a two-day, two to three-day camp, uh, literally packaged the material in a box that has lesson plans and everything. Yeah. And when our kids go on holiday, they take a box with them. Yeah. And they go and run these youth entrepreneurship camps oh, wow. in their schools, in their in communities, communities all over as a way of stimulating entrepreneurial mm. thinking amongst our young people. Yeah. And we run about anything between 30 to 50 of these across. So you can imagine we run them in refugee camps. We yeah. run them in Nairobi, in Lagos, in Joburg. Um, anywhere where we can get two or so ALA kids will yeah. run a camp. Oh, wow. Okay. And the whole idea is to, is to stimulate entrepreneurial thinking amongst our young people. So, um, and these are proven to be really popular and very successful. So uh, I remember the guys from Kenya ran one of their, f- their first camps um, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they worked on four ideas, no, three ideas. Yeah. Uh, one of them, um, th- th- they worked on four ideas, three got commercialized. Mm-hmm. One just won an award uh, um, for uh, an e-recycling e- 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 business oh, wow. uh, yeah. that came out of that camp. Yeah. So those are the kind of things we're trying mm-hmm. to, to stimulate. Yeah, and yeah. also just trying to, I suppose... Not stimulate, but 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 find out because what our as what our thinking on 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 changing the environment, on changing the socioeconomic problems, are very very different to the person living on the ground in Nairobi to the person living in a in a camp in in Rwanda. Yes, you know, so it's igniting those different necessities with with within different communities, which is incredibly powerful. Exactly, and you can imagine as a sixteen, seventeen year old kid, kid, mm. you're unconsciously incompetent. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. But if, if put through this program, you suddenly realize, wow, hang on a second. We've been complaining about this problem in my community for the longest. And actually, mm. I just realized I've got the power to do something about yeah. it. But also, this is an area of passion for myself. So you, you, you combine passion mm. and ability within the local space, yeah. you're lighting a fire. Yeah, igniting a fire. Igniting yeah. a fire. And that's exactly what you want to do. Power, power. Yes. Okay, your birthday celebrations. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like all true birthdays, it's going to like carry on for like the whole year, not just one day. Rosie, you know, you know we're African. That's how we roll. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's how we roll. Lots and lots of food. Exactly. So so, so, so we turned 10 years old. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank that's you. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable that this thing that was sitting in the heads of four founders yeah. more than 10 years ago has come this far yeah. and has gotten to where we are today. 
And um, so we our celebration, as I said, in typical African style, mm-hmm. starts September. Mm-hmm. Actually, we kick them off now. Uh, we've got our kickoff event on campus on September 15th, mm-hmm. and it goes to the end of 2018. Beautiful. Um, and the whole idea behind this uh, decennial celebration is around three themes. Mm-hmm. One, we're going to reflect. Mm-hmm. What have the last 10 years been like for us? What have we learned? Yeah. What have we failed on? What have we succeeded on? What are the hits and misses? Okay, and that will be doing a lot of reflection with our community of sub- supporters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Our alumni, uh, host families, uh, corporate partners, everyone. And then the second pillar is about celebrate. Mm. What are we really proud of? Yeah. Where have we exceeded expectations? Mm. Where have we outperformed our peers, for example? And the third pillar would be about looking ahead, the invest pillar. Yeah. And so, how? What are the, our goals for the next ten years? What will it take for us to get there? Mm. And how do we start the investment process? To enable us to get and, there and pushing towards yes, that. so 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 those are kind of the three pillars that we're, we're looking at. We have a flagship event um, uh, in Joburg on February twenty third, twenty fourth, and then we'll have a sprinkling of many other events, of different things. Yes. Going on. but also what are the other things that that um, I think my listeners would also appreciate is that you also have different guest lecturers or speakers coming in. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, we need to get you on campus. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm already there. Before. Even if the invite wasn't coming, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you on campus. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we so as part of our African studies module, we really try and bring a lot of inspiring speakers on on yeah. campus. So, um, uh, you know, we and we try and look for people who are also come from multiple sectors. Mm. So we don't bias for politics. We don't bias for whatever. We bring all sorts of people. So we've had, um, you know, uh, all sorts of people come to to speak on campus, from mm. presidents to to young musicians um, to CEOs of organisations. Mm. You name it. It's been really a wide spectrum, and so we're forever looking for for inspiring uh, people, and especially young yeah. young speakers, yeah. people who have uh, a, a journey worth telling, mm. who have lessons of failure and success worth yeah. telling. People who ha- I think that's incredibly important because yeah. in, in we're living in this in this age of this instant gratification. Yes, that if you're not at 25 driving a BMW and wearing this and this, you haven't made it. Yes, yet you have somebody who's in their 30s who is still struggling, but at least the life lessons that came along with that nobody's talking about because it's it's just supposed to be happening, you know. So long as we're failing forward, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Because in that process, you're learning lessons. I'm going to remember that the next time <laughs> I hit an obstacle. Exactly. So long as you're failing forward, yeah. you're on the right path. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. as I say, there are, there are no failures. There are just lessons to be learned in Absolutely, life. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you either succeed or you learn a lesson. Mm. And that's what we need to be doing. So, so we're forever looking for, for inspiring guest speakers. So if your listeners and your listeners think that they have, they have something they can offer, mm. uh, we, we will be happy to hear from them. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we contact you? You're, you're on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. Uh, uh, F Aswani, mm-hmm. just as I spell it, A S W A N I. Find me on LinkedIn, Frank Aswani. Um, go to our website, African www.africanleadershipacademy.org. Mm. And also, just another thing to our listeners is that you can, you know, some communities don't have access to it or don't know about ALA. But if you do know of a community or do know of an individual, you can, you can, um, you can nominate them. So actually our application window for the next intake, the 2018 intake is currently open. Okay. Okay. So, um, we are, it's going to be open until January the 12th. Mm-hmm. And let me categorically space, say this is that we don't get enough South African kids applying. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, but I, I, I'm, I'm also guilty of that because 
for a long time, I thought it was for um, non-South Africans, <laughs> and, I, and I think I think I'm a, lo- a lot of people do feel that Rose is an African institution. <laughs> no, but you know, that's what we use the word guilty is because South Africans we still have this elitist thing that yes, we South African, but we're not African, yeah, and no, that, you know that sentiment is still shining through. So, so, so let, let, let me tell you this, and this I, I I say this from the bottom of my heart. If I was 16 to 19, a 16, 19 year old African today, yeah. there is nowhere else I'd want to go to school. Yeah. Now, I agree with you wholeheartedly. There's nowhere else because yeah. I'm going to come to this school. I'll get a phenomenal experience. I'll be taught mm-hmm. about entrepreneurship and leadership and I'll be plugged into a network for life. Yeah. This school will support me in my dreams in my 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not many institutions you'd, you'd, would claim that of any of the kids that they take and, and are committed to. Mm. So, so, so the application process is, is currently open. Would love to have people apply. And we're looking for leaders, not just in the traditional sense of a prefect. Mm. If you find that kid in your church who's yeah. leading a youth group and who you think has a really good level head and has demonstrated what I've said, spoken about, like courage. Or innovative. Or yeah. Innovative. Yeah. yeah. It could be a kid in your community. It could be your niece, your nephew. Um, that kid who does well in school but is an interest is thinking about businesses of to run mm. or is setting up an NGO to sort out something. Uh, that's the kind of challenge you need to be sending to us. Yeah. Um, and, and we need to work together to invest in uh, in trying to find this talent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to that. <laughs> Moving on on a personal front. So, where 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 is Doctor Zwani going to be the next the next couple of years? Oh, good question. Um, Obviously, on the continent. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> there, there, there's, there's no question about it. I, I I think you know, as I said, Michael. You know, you know what they say in life. Your first forty years about creating your your legitimacy. Mm. Your next forty are about creating your legacy. Yeah. I'm on that next 40. <laughs> <Okay>. like, yeah. <laughs> on my next 40. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think I am very lucky that being at the academy, I have a sweet spot mm. between doing something I enjoy, working with people I enjoy, mm. and in a country that I enjoy. Yeah. Okay. But you see, there's something that you mentioned early in the beginning of the interview, which is very, very important, is that you need to work hard for what you want, but you also need to enjoy. Yes. You need to reap the benefits and, and have fun and go kick a ball or sleep in or do whatever you do that, that makes you happy. Yeah. Because you need that yin and yang. And, and where a lot of us struggle, especially in the leadership, is like, no, 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 well, I've got to put in the 15 hours a day and, and God forbid I should take off a day or God forbid I should sleep or, or do something indulging, you yeah. know, and you need that in order to, to feed both in. You exactly. Know? So like right now, I'm working and enjoying myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I love I, what you do. You exactly. Never work day exactly. In your life. I, <laughs> I'm behind the mark, baby. <laughs> you know. So, 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 I, I, I'm really, really, and we, all of us at the academy keep saying this. We're really privileged to have the opportunity yeah. to work there, and many of us will be doing many other things. But our commitment is to 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 invest in these young people, invest mm. in the continent, and make it better. So, so, so that 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 is something for sure. I'll, I'll I see myself continue to do. I um, next couple of years, I continue to hope to be a best dad to my kids mm-hmm. and best family man to my to my family i think yeah. that's a critical part of what i need to do and uh and but, you know talking about that and and um you know and and i'm going on the tweet that you retweeted <laughs> <laughs> and you and you tagged me in um about the percentage of of kids under the age not living with their biological fathers yeah and from your point of view what is the way forward in in changing that in changing I mean, we can't undo our histories, but, but how, do, how do we move forward in terms of creating that, that environment for our children? Yeah, 60% of kids in South Africa under mm. the age of 10 don't live with their biological fathers. Yeah. That is frightening. Yeah. 
That is really frightening on many fronts. Mm. Um, but this is what I say. Education needs to be fit for purpose. Yeah. So when you look at all the social issues that we are facing as communities, as countries, what are the unique differences in our country-specific education mm. that address some of these issues? How are we educating young girls about um, getting involved early sexually? Mm. Uh, how are we educating boys about um, the role of early, early, early fatherhood? And mm. what fatherhood actually means, yeah, uh, and the responsibilities that come with it. Yeah. So as we as we as we're going through the self uh, criticism and self analysis of our education system, is the education system addressing this, mm. or is the village that's supposed to raise this child addressing these issues? Mm. And if mm. it's not, we need to be doing something. And that's mm. why if we can't do them in the education system, how else can we address some of these things? People are. Blogging, people are writing, people yeah. are running NGOs, people are doing those kind of things. But we've got to prevent this kind of thing because I can imagine, um, you know, many of these girls who have got absent dads or mm. uh, absent fathers to their children are young. Mm. They, as I said, they're unconsciously incompetent. They don't know what parenting is about, mm. and they're raising a child who will probably fall into the same trap yeah. down the road. Yeah. So, so, so I, I think it's a holistic approach. Uh, the government needs to play a role in this. We as individuals need to play a role in mm. this. Uh, but anyone that we can inform and influence to have a better life uh, for both themselves yeah. and and make the right decision so that they're getting kids at the right time yeah. is something. And and it's dialogue. It's communication. We 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 haven't been communicating, especially in this tech age where if you're not on your iPad, you're on your phone, or you know somebody can be sitting across from you and you send them a message as opposed to speaking to them. Yes. You know. Um. And it, and and I, and I reinforce is that we need to have these conversations, but also we need to have men need to have dialogue between themselves, and we yes. need to start holding each other accountable. Yeah. You know. Um. And I think I mean. I'm not a mother, but but that 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 for me would be, and that's one of the reasons why I've I've I've, I've held on for so long before because I was like, well, am I going to be having the right dialogue? Exactly. You know, um, which moves to my next factor, which will be, um about is that what what were your fears as as a father? So actually, I never wanted kids. Mm. Yes, always it's always as <laughs> no, I, I, and the reason yeah. why I didn't want children is because um, my father died when I was quite young. Yeah, and so I was left with four brothers to take care of, mm. and people will call it. People, well, that's what people call black tax. Yeah. I refuse to call it. I think it's offensive to call it black tax. Mm. I think we have a responsibility to take care of our people. Mm. And I look at my brothers now. They all have, I took them from primary school and high school. They all have degrees. They're standing on their own feet. And two things. One, I'm proud that I gave them a chance in life because mm. I, I prevented another four kids from going on the streets. Yeah. If I just left them alone. Yeah. And two, um, they will give back as much as someone else yeah, when the because time. they had that grounding automatically. Exactly yeah. when the time comes. So, so I was I was very I didn't want to be a kid. So by the uh, father, I mean. So by the time I was done with with raising my brothers, I was thinking I'm done. Mm. I'm you know I've done my parenting. I've attended disciplinary hearings at school. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. I've been in those those you know shops buying school uniform mm. and uh, you know all those sorts of things. I thought I'm done. Mm. Okay, so when my friends were doing the things that they were doing at young ages, I, as I said, pack their cousins spontaneously go to the coast mm. or or invest. I didn't have that opportunity to do that at that point in time. 
but th- there is a really um uh, good feeling that I look at my brothers now and I look at how they're surviving and how they're thriving in their own careers in their own ways yeah. and I'm proud of my contribution to that journey yeah. I don't want payback because mm. I did what I had to do no well, the payback is the, the success exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I think people need to understand that is, is that if you're going to be doing it do it for do it for the good yeah because it doesn't necessarily have to come back as dollars in your no, account exactly yeah um you know um who was it it was I think it was Strive that said um, at 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 at, the, at that forum was that um, you can have what 150 uh, Ferraris, but there's no better compliment than somebody saying you gave me a degree. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, but in hindsight, if I didn't have my kids, it would have been the worst mistake I'd have made. Yeah. In hindsight, mm. uh, knowing what I know now, I mean, my kids are just my life. They're like the greatest two little beings. Uh, yeah. When I've had a really rotten day and I just want to have an unbiased world <laughs> where they're just flowing with love, I yeah. go to my children. And yeah, uh, yeah so, so I mean, you know, but I've also become very philosophical about life. Mm. I don't think parenting is for everyone. Mm. 100%. Okay, not everyone. Society expects us to go to primary school, high school, university, and mm. then get, get married. Get the kids, get the 2.0, exactly. live in this house, have exactly. this car. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. But I actually, I have come to the conclusion that mm. that's not everyone's path. Yeah. You need to find a path that works for you. Yeah. And don't feel bad about it. Okay? Because that is you. That's mm. the diversity that you bring to the world. Yeah, yeah. And music? Oh. <laughs> Look at these eyes light oh, up. Oh man! You mentioned African music. His <laughs> eyes just light up. <laughs> so, so, so that's another passion of mine. So, yeah. I, I'm a big music collector. I um, I have something like maybe three or four thousand CDs. What? Yeah, I have about six hundred vinyls. Oh wow! Um, and music is really my other passion. Yeah. Uh, when I'm in the gym, when I'm anywhere in my house. We, we wake up and we switch on music yeah. somewhere. There's music playing in the house, you yeah. know. So, so that's really the other passion I've got. Uh, one of my biggest regrets actually is that I can't play the sax. Yeah. I can't play any music. It's never too late. It's never too late. African global excellence. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's really a passion of mine. I mean, yeah. uh, yesterday, my first groupie moment at Ailey, because you know who visited us? <laughs> yes, I saw the picture. Kak Whalem. Oh. <laughs> My shoes were polished. My hands were oiled. <laughs> you were shining. You were feeling it. I had shaved my hair the night before. <laughs> but, but isn't that great? I mean, the power of music, that also just transcends through any any tradition, any nation. I mean, it's it's powerful. So when I travel, I try and buy two things every time I travel. Mm. I try and buy a CD or a musician from that country or music, and I try and buy a fridge magnet for my kids. Okay. So they can yeah. know where daddy was. Yeah. And they can learn in the process. But But I... Um, no, I think music is one of those things that traverses culture, traverses language. Yeah. We, do, I do, we don't need to understand each other if we can feel the beat. Yeah. If we can enjoy uh, similar melodies and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, so that's really something. So I collect music religiously. Yeah. Uh, and anyone out there who's willing to have a music session so we can swap some music or just chat about music, <laughs> happy, <laughs> to, happy to have a chat. Think, has has Brahu come to, to, to ALA? Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. Many times. He's uh, He was a graduation guest speaker a couple of years beautiful, back. Beautiful, uh, yeah. And he's a big fan of ours. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we're hoping that as part of the 10 years, uh, decennial year, uh, we'll have him play one of our events somewhere yeah, along the way. Definitely. No, he's, um, we, we've, we're building a really good network of people. And that's another thing about being at Ailey and being mm. part of our network is that you meet some really interesting people. Yeah. You meet Rosie Motene, for example. <laughs> 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 you know, we, 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 it's, 
you'll be amazed at the kind of network you you meet. Yeah, um, and just also the energies that that ignited all the thoughts and what you what you need to do. It's just it's a beautiful space. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely, space. and and you'll expand your network beyond your country yeah. uh, network. You will meet people from other uh, things. So as we start talking about. Um, our our events coming up uh, where you can sign up and where it's open for free sign up please sign up september mm-hmm. 15th is the first one on campus okay uh, 1:30 to 4:30 mm-hmm. come and watch us as we welcome our 10th class beautiful and of course i mean if you if you missed in all of the other contact details from before um it's all, all on my my facebook page so my twitter page i even yeah. wrote a blog about it <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody asked me are you like being sponsored by la i was like no they 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 they, they get the pan african they get the, the vision no trust you me Rosie sponsors us, trust me. <laughs> it has been an absolute, absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I definitely want to get you in maybe end of the year or next year just to see, you know, what, what transitions have happened and, and also the celebrations. I mean, anything really exciting, let us know. Yeah. So actually, yeah. Rosie, don't get me in. Get one of my kids in. Yeah, that's actually a very good idea. Okay. Yeah. So I tell half the story. Yeah. Let them come here and walk you through their yeah. journey. Maybe one of the students now and one somebody from alumni. Exactly. Brilliant. Idea. Yes. So, yes. So, so, so because I see myself as a catalyst in this Africa's transformation. Yeah. The real carriers will be our kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and part of it is another thing we have to change. You know, in Africa, generally kids are to be seen, not heard. Yeah. We need to give our kids opportunities to be heard. Yes. Thank you. That's why I'm an outcast in my family because exactly. I've got a big mouth. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 with that in mind, please let me know um, when you want to have our kids over. I would love Absolutely. to have. Uh, and, and to your listeners, um, it's a real pleasure to be speaking to you. And um, there are many ways you can get involved with mm-hmm. us. Go to our website. There's an info at africanleadershipacademy.org email. Get in touch with me. Just send an email to Frank. Call uh, our switchboard. Say, hey, I need to speak to Frank yeah. about something. But and you know, and also, I think the main thing also, which I, from my point of view, is that if you if you're not in a position to do it financially. You're still going to be gaining, gaining something from an experience. So whether it's visiting the campus, whether it's visiting the website, or just having dialogue and conversations on 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 Twitter. Absolutely. You know, you 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 will be surprised at 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 what you're going to be grasping and and what 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 passions are going to be ignited. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I always say um, we all need to be thinking about how we contribute to Africa's renaissance and yeah. the change of the African narrative. If you're struggling for that. ALA gives you a great opportunity to plug into an institution that will support that for yeah. you. And that you can do for, in many ways. Um, if you, you have spoken about our application window being open, send us a couple of kids who you think should apply to the academy. Mm. Come and visit us to understand us better. And the best day to come is a Monday afternoon. Mm. Uh, you need to let us know in advance though, uh, yeah. because we're at school, we need to make sure that we know security and stuff. But just go to the website, get in touch with us, see if you can come for assembly on a Monday afternoon, two o'clock. Mm. Um, all the kids run boards. Yeah. Uh, so if you think you want to sit on a board meeting, yeah. because all those boards, uh, the business that kids run have to run board meetings. We're always wow. looking for, for, for board members. Yeah. Um, by all means, volunteer your time. And the three ways, Rosie, you're absolutely yeah. correct. People can give back to the academy or get involved in the academy. Yeah. Treasure time or talent. Three T's. Beautiful. Okay. If you don't have money, you have time and talent to give and uh, contribute to the young person's growth. By all means, our doors are open. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. And of course, if you want to find out more information, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, under Rosie Mutene. I will gladly pass you on any information or any questions. Um, he's active on, on Twitter. He's not, and he handles the, his, his account. So, <laughs> <laughs> and what, what is it? If, 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 what is your Twitter handle? F Aswani. At F Aswani. At F Aswani. Yeah. Um, s- send a compliment, send a note, send a question. If, even if you have something to criticize, which I don't think you will. But it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure having you in studio. 
studio again. And um, to my listeners, thanks once again. It's all about achieving that African global excellence. My name is Rosie Mathena, and thank you for listening to my podcast, Pan African Connect. Cliffcentral.com.